welcome to Writing Perspectives, a podcast about writing and writers. My name's Steve Borley and I'm a writer. Writing Perspectives is here to help you find out what it takes to be a successful writer and what the life of a writer is really all about. It's my privilege to introduce you to people who really do know what it takes. And today I'm delighted to be speaking to John McKinstry. John lives and works in Glasgow, Scotland, and is a self-confessed literary junkie. He's fascinated by learning and has worked in training and learning roles in large organisations for over 10 years. Through his work, John began to use storytelling as a tool to impart learning. Naturally, John progressed to writing books. His books focus on helping people with what he calls the bad stuff in modern working life. And John has now written eight books on this bad stuff, covering topics from dealing with redundancy to bullying in the workplace, and even how to deal with those negative people at work who extract all the energy from those around them. But John is at heart a storyteller, so it's no surprise that he's also recently published his first novel, Life and Other Contact Sports, set in the world of professional ice hockey. Could you get a more more of a departure from uh, business self-help? I'm not sure. But with John's nine books, he's both self-published and worked with a publisher. He is, in short, someone from whom aspiring writers can learn a lot. So, a very warm welcome to Writing Perspectives, John. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Steve. It's, it's great that you could join us today. So um, can we dive in and start talking about fiction and non-fiction? Um, you started out writing non-fiction, recently published your first novel. What did you learn from your non-fiction writing that helped you with your fiction? I'm going to say in one word, it was ruthlessness. And what I mean by that is you need to look at what you're actually doing and make sure that it's what your reader actually wants. So when I'm writing a, a business book, it would be really tempting. Uh, people who know me know I'm quite happy to go off on the occasional tangent. Um, and you can't do that. When you're writing a topic, uh, if it's redundancy you're covering, if it's anger in the office, if it's frustration, you need to be quite sharp. You want to give people exactly what you say you're going to give them. So when I moved on from the non-fiction onto a novel, I took that with me, that kind of element of ruthlessness. It's not a case of you want to just write and you know, just whatever comes out you keep. You actually want to sharpen it, hone it, bring it down to the best you can possibly get. And I found with the business books that was much more to do with taking things out than putting things in. Um, the most recent book that I released on the business side was all about train the trainer. And as you mentioned, Steve, I've been working in training, uh, learning development for over 10 years. So the original uh, draft of the book was 126,000 words. What was released was 75,000. So it's quite, it quite a big drop. And I think you have to be tight. You've got to be quite lean when you release something. And I think that's actually much more important with a story or that's what that's my experience so far. I may change that in the future. You may see Game of Thrones sort of size novels. I don't know. But for the moment, I felt, you know, I wanted um, it, I wanted it to be as lean and as taut as it possibly could be. And sometimes it's heartbreaking. You know, you look at there's a, a scene, you think that's that, that's good. And then you reread it and think, no, that's got to come out, you know. So I think that's that's the one thing, the non-fiction, you have to be really disciplined. and uh, You can't start off writing about uh, positivity, for example, or protecting your positivity. And then halfway through, take a kind of a sidetrack and say, and now I'm going to talk about coaching. Even if you think it's perfect, if it doesn't help, it's got to come out. Yeah, funny as you were speaking, John, the phrase kill your darlings was the one that I was thinking of. And, and that's kind of... <laughs> 
my experience in writing uh, writing short stories and, and plays as well is you, you write a bit and you you like it it's it's good and it works of itself but it's like a you know it's a, it's a sore thumb in, in in the context of the story or the, or the play that you're writing and and it is that uh, yeah that thing but i suppose i don't know if you agree all writing that works is good is good and just because it doesn't fit into that piece of work or that story doesn't mean it's it's a waste it just means it's something that you can work on at a later date absolutely um there's a I think for me that the one piece I don't mean this critically, but the piece that I didn't like from one of the J.K. Rowling books, no spoilers, I hasten to add, but <laughs> at the end of uh, one of the books, there's a kind of a coda which seemed to be tacked on, and I actually remember thinking, reading it, that's great, but boy, the story should have ended here, and I, I kind of had that experience when I wrote the first novel. There was a, a piece at the end, and I thought, yeah, that's that. Oh no, wait a minute, no, no, that. No, that's wrong. But I'm going to use it maybe, maybe a short story in the future. Maybe, maybe it's part of another story at a later date. I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's never wasted, but you need to be, you know, willing to be ruthless with yourself and say, no, that's got to come out. That's not- yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's it's possibly one of the toughest things for a writer to do, I think. But I think you're right. So thinking um, about the process of writing fiction and and, and nonfiction. So you said mm. ruthlessness. Are you a planner? And, and I guess if you're talking about in fiction, is that makes you a plotter? Um, or did you, and did you have a <laughs> approach when you wrote when you wrote fiction? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm in the I'm at the start of a second novel now, so it's it's one of the things that's been in my head. I am a planner. Um, I don't know if my way is the way other people do, but it works for me. With the business stuff, what I did was I. I was telling a story with most of the business books, so I, I didn't want to write, here is my take on anger and do, you know, this is technique one, technique two. So it was a story which you can, you know, the reader can take the technique from. So I, I was plotting it, even though it was a business novel. If that's, is that a thing, a business novel? Um, and what I did was I had to be very careful to make sure that, as I, as I made my notes, that there was a learning point spaced out at even stages so you know if it's five rules five lessons whatever it is there's a key point in there and and that does affect the the flow the timing um when i came to write a story um it was slightly different but i still yeah i'm, I'm definitely a planner i i can't do the spontaneous i'm just going to write today and kind of you know cross my fingers and hope to goodness it all turns out all right mm-hmm. um i think there's a there's a mild element of control freak in me when it comes to these things. Um, I don't know if it's the same with you as a as, as a playwright. If you have that same kind of, you need to know the, the start, the middle, and the end at least roughly what's going to happen. Well, I'll be honest, um, John. I, I, thus far, I haven't been much of a planner, and I have I, I've kind of known who my characters are and and the thrust of what I want the story to do. But I've I've quite enjoyed the process mm. of of writing it and and constructing the interactions and then seeing seeing where it goes. Um, you know, hopefully without it becoming self-indulgent nonsense, um, but actually becoming you know an interesting <laughs> interplay between characters. I've got a um, I've got a postcard on my desk where where I write, um, and it's it's a Picasso quote, um, which where it says, uh-huh. "If you know exactly what you're going to do, what's the point in doing it?" Um, and I think that's possibly <laughs> my, my my coda um, for for writing. But um, but maybe I just haven't run into enough brick walls in my writing, and and and, and, I'll, and I'll pick up plotting and planning in the future. I think that's it, it's a really interesting one because I don't think the two are completely exclusive. Because when I was 
writing some of the pieces for the novel in particular, um, there were moments when I had it all scripted. And I, I, I call my notes, I tend to refer to them as the script or, you know, it, it's never just a set of sterile notes. It's like this is like scene one. This is scene two. And I, I think of the story very much as a film. Um, because with a movie, you don't want or I don't want long, drawn-out pieces. I want there to be something's happening. You know, there's there's action. There's this is the, the you know the the game is on. The pucks in play. The gloves have been dropped. You want something that keeps people's attention. You want it to keep moving forward. That that momentum has to be there. Um, and I I can't start. I can't pick up my pen or open my laptop until I know this is where we're going to start. This is where we're going to end. But I don't shut the door on, oh, wow, you know, that's a really good idea if it happens quite naturally. So I think there's maybe there is a happy medium. Um, I definitely am a planner. I, I am bordering on obsessive about it. Um, but, but the one thing I would say that I did think was different, as we talk about from nonfiction to fiction, the one thing that really, and I noticed it straight away, is that you feel or Again, I stopped saying you feel. I felt much, much more involved. I felt much closer. I felt much more emotional. I was really invested in it. Um, maybe the business books, uh, maybe the, because, I, because I am a trainer, because I've worked in L&D, an element of it's safer. You know, it's still work. It's not the real me coming out, maybe. But with the novel, it's kind of, this is all about emotion and passion. And I can't hide it's me. So it felt very different, although the writing the notes was the same. Even as I was writing them, I could think, oh, wow, that's going to be, you know, that scene's going to be a tough one to write because that's that's going to be really emotional or that one's going to reduce me to tears, you know, whatever. That was very much mm -hmm. coming out. And I noticed almost as soon as I started planning it, I was actually thinking that's going to be a tough one to write, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because yeah, I, I mean, I, I find that I find I'm writing best when I'm I'm most involved with my characters, and I, and I you know and I kind of begin to care about them because um, I guess that's what we want our readers and our and our audiences to do. Yeah, yeah. So think, thinking about life and other contact sports, and it's set in the world of professional ice hockey, which obviously, as I said in the introduction, is quite a departure from uh, from from the, the kind of non-fiction in, in business. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, but I, I know that's a passion of yours. Um, what's the reaction been to your book uh -huh. from from ice hockey fans? I've, I've been really lucky so far. Um, the people that I've spoken to have been really kind. Um, I'm, I'm an absolute fanatic. Uh, I, I I hated all sports. I mean, this is this is the strange thing. Uh, I don't like football. I don't like rugby. I don't like tennis. And I just assumed I was. I'm not a sports fan. And then a friend took me to, it was the, our local team here in Glasgow is the Brayhead clan. And that was a Christmas present about seven years ago. Um, and I actually remember getting the tickets thinking, meh, it'll be okay, you know, we'll have dinner first. And then I got there and it was like, oh my God. And it literally was, wow. And I kind of fell in love with it. And I think, um, and obviously I am hugely biased because I am a hockey fan. But I think hockey fans are among the nicest people that I've met. And I think there's an element of, you know, you know, not that I want to stress that, but, you know, we are the, the nicest people. Um, but I think it was when I started, I was quite nervous at first because I was really thinking exactly as you've suggested in the question, what will the people that I uh, spend all my time at Brayhead with? What are the people that because I know quite a lot of the travelling fans, be it from Dundee, from Edinburgh, um, 
you know, and I've met them. We, we have a drink before the games. I thought, what are they going to think of me? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not some hockey guru. I've not been following this since I was a little boy. I've not got a perfect grasp of the stats. I just really love it. I'm just really passionate about it. Um, and it was a, it was a really big moment because I got some, uh, some proof copies and I actually just tweeted around the people I, I know and twisted, look, I've written this book. Is anybody interested in reading it? Um, and I started to get comments back um, and I had to very quickly start to say to people, look, it says it's about hockey, but there's actually quite a, there's a very, very dark element to this. So please be warned, uh, especially if you've had a bereavement recently, this might touch on some quite uh, difficult areas for you to read. And actually that was when the feedback started to come flooding through. It's like, this is, this is what, what we get into hockey to, to look at, to read about. This is, this is hockey. Um, yeah, it's, it's really strange. If you go onto Amazon uh, or N or iBooks or any of the big sites, there's really virtually no novels about ice hockey. Um, there's there's some biographies of the greats from the game, like Gretzky. Um, there's a lot of erotica about ice hockey. <laughs> the less said about which, the better. Um, but when I went looking for a, an actual novel about ice hockey, I actually couldn't find one. So I think maybe I've, maybe I've just got lucky. Maybe it's because it's the first time we've seen this kind of story. Yeah, that's really interesting, John. I'm, I'm, I'm very taken by the idea of uh, hockey erotica. I'm thinking as a as a, <laughs> as a as a cricket fan, there might be might be a, a whole genre there that I could I could make my own if I could write. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean I think it's it's interesting because clearly writing about a sport um, is one area where yes, you may have a ready-made potential audience of people that have, have already got very strong views and a passion for that but also those views are, and those passions are very mm. deeply held and people will very take it very very seriously I, I remember oh yeah as, as, a, as a as a big football soccer fan reading um a, a, a book uh-huh. by Nick Hornby about about his experience as a football fan and there was one in there where he was talking about a, a particular player from another team and he and he couldn't remember their name and I knew his, I knew the player's name immediately and I got a bit frustrated that this person who was writing a book about this sport didn't know as much, you know, it kind of wouldn't know that detail. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, so I, I guess, I mean, how did you feel about writing something like that, where you, you were, you were, you know, potentially putting putting your work out there into an audience who not only are going to judge it, I guess, critically from a, from a, as a piece of literature, but also as a as as an insight into the sport. <laughs> With a great degree of nervousness and trepidation. <laughs> um, because this is the thing, I, I'm not. Uh, there are some guys out there, and they're they're fantastic, um, and they could tell you uh, the the you know the save average of the goalies. They can tell you the the stats, the away stats. I remember listening to it was it was a hockey podcast actually a few weeks ago, um, Purple Army Purple Army Pod, and one of the guys is so he actually said you know which goalie would you take to this match? And he said well so and so's got a nine point one two five average against this particular team in away match for PAs one and two I'm like really <laughs> you know so I think I think I'm nervous but I'm always nervous I mean when I if I take a, a little step back when I wrote about um, the first thing I touched on was anger and frustration in the office um, when I looked at that what I was very conscious of is that there are lots of people out there who have degrees in psychology who will be really you know expert in emotional intelligence and I wasn't coming to it as 
a celebrity and I think that's a good thing I don't think anybody should be scared of this and you never be scared if you're going to write it and um, that's that's a big lesson for me um, you know I wasn't Tony Robbins I wasn't coming to it with a massive piece of new dynamic research but I was coming to it with a passion and I said you know I have something I'd like to say I'm going to tell it as a story take from it what you want and I think that works for all the business books I'm not claiming to be you know an ex you know, member of Richard Branson or Alan Sugar's board of directors. I'm saying, look, I've done this. This has helped me. See if it helps you. And I think that follows me through into sport. I'm, I've never been on skates. Now, I think the idea of me actually going out onto the rink at Brayhead on skates would be hysterical. I mean, it would be like, have you seen Bambi? Oh, yes. You know, the scene where, the, the, you know, the Bambi's on ice. That would be me on a good day with God smiling, okay? I don't claim to be, I'm not an ex-coach, I'm not an ex-player, but I love the sport. I love it. And you. I think you're absolutely right. Hockey in particular, especially the, the, the take that I've gone for, because I've looked at probably the most contentious issue in existence for hockey fans. I'm talking about fighting in the game. I'm talking about the role of the enforcer. I'm talking about the fact that hockey has this unique aspect. They don't have this in cricket, Steve. Um, if someone does something wrong, someone does something wrong, you can basically skate up to them, drop the gloves, and punch them in the mouth. It's really contentious. People are usually this is a it's a polarizing issue. No one I know sits on the fence here. You're either pro fighting or you're hugely anti fighting. Um, there's a wonderful documentary that's just come out called Ice Guardians, and it looks at the role of the enforcer. This this is the one player who may or may not be able to. Play play hockey but damn they can fight and I'm not into the story but the thing that I've done is because I'm not a physical person I'm not an aggressive person by nature so I've deliberately made the to make the character easier to write about I've made the character and he, he says this to the reader on page one I'm a coward I don't want to fight people you know and I especially don't want people to come up and hit me I, I don't want to do this but it's all about this is part of the game. It is it is a contact sport. And it lets you say, well, you know, in life, I don't want to have the tough conversations. I don't want to do the tough things. But you know what? I'm not going to get the choice. So what am I going to do? Um, and that really just leapt out. That appealed to me. Hockey, it's like a lot of sports. I'm sure you can see it with football. Uh, what's the famous phrase? It's a game of two halves. There's, there's people can take a little bit of, you know, a bit of philosophy from it. You know, it's like hockey is an incredibly cinematic sport. Um, the things you think of as Hollywood endings, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say that, that's an interesting point because one of the things I'm really interested in in terms of you, how you approach the actual writing, John, is the writing of the sporting action. Yes, um, because I don't know if, if your experience of seeing uh, either seeing sport, some sports films or reading some some of the fictional books about sport that sometimes the action can be either conveyed in cliche or or conveyed fairly poorly how did you go about writing the sporting action and i guess in in, in hockey terms also that the, the physical confrontation well you know, it did was you find that hard to do no uh, actually that's those are the bits this is strange it's that i looked forward to most um the research was terrible. I mean, I had to go and watch hockey and watch hockey movies and go to game. Oh, it was torment, Steve. It was torment, you know. But I, 
I think it's because one of the things that attracts me to the sport is that I've used the word cinematic and it really is and it doesn't matter at what level it could be the NHL it could be the Brayhead clan it could be Paisley Pirates it doesn't matter what matters is that it's it, it's a sport that lends itself to those almost Hollywood moments I mean if you look at it go and google it after this the, the game recently We've got the Stanley Cup is going on just now. Some of the action, it's it's like literally it's the the you know the the last hit of the game, the last second of overtime, and it wins. Um, you you get these kind of David and Goliath situations as well, and it's common. Um, when it came to writing, I think I just was playing it through in my head. It was I wanted to see it almost. If this was a film, what would I be seeing? And I think the other thing that would have been fatal, and I made that decision really early on, I didn't want to try to describe the whole game. Because I was writing from the perspective, you know, of one character. Um, so I thought, well, what can this character see? What can he hear? And that actually made it much easier because there's, you can only see that that character's perspective. So it kind of limits the things that I have to cover. Um, but yeah, it was that, those are the most fun. Those really were. That was There was a, a real temptation. This is back to... Uh, the ruthlessness that I mentioned, I could have quite happily done three times the length of the novel. Just here's game one, game two, game three. And I was like, no, I've got to stop this. I'll, I'll be, I won't ever get finished, you know. So I, I think that was, it was the most fun. But I think you have to write it. Um, if you were writing cricket, that was, that was your own sport. Um, I would need you to do it in such a way that I would understand um, because I don't know anything about cricket. So I, I had that in my head. How do I describe this so that someone who doesn't really know a lot about ice hockey can pick it up and go, yeah, that's really interesting. That's, that's really exciting and can get behind it. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, I think what you said is really interesting that you didn't, you, you made a conscious decision not to describe every piece of action and so on. And I think that's that's the that's the what sounds like the the, the insight into into writing sporting action effectively. Mm. It's not yeah. trying to give a, a match report blow by blow account, but it's to pick out those moments that are critical and crucial in both understanding the story you're telling and in understanding the bits that would be of most importance and most Im- have most impact on your character. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's that's great, John. That's 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 a great insight, I think, into writing about action of all sorts because in this context it's sport but it could be it could be about all sorts of things mm. so t- taking your, your all the, the 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 work you've done on, on your novel which obviously is your, is your latest piece of work mm. um and what you know what have you learned from the, the process of publishing this first novel um i think the big thing for me is that when you do this when you go into the fiction side what i've noticed is there there is a thing i started to mention it there, there there's a thing that i've started to call writing magic um, and I found it didn't happen at all with the business books, but I've, I've been looking for it now when I'm writing a story. Um, you touched on it yourself as well. You were talking about when you're writing a play, you, you do your best work when you're really in a character's head. And, and that was where my head was at with this. Um, because I was writing uh, the business topics, be it you know, defending your positivity, redundancy, there is an emotion there. But there's still a bit of a, a bit of a distance. But when I've come to do the uh, the novel, it was like I really wanted this character to you know to to get through it, to survive, to do well, and I kind of knew he wasn't going to have an easy time of it. And I started to get more and more invested in this character. And the magic that I've been talking about is where you do it constantly, and you're in that person's head, and you're living that person's life. And there was a couple of moments. Um, and, I, and this is where I deviated from my notes. 
I had the notes in front of me and I was ready to pick up my pen and I thought, no, Davy wouldn't do that. Or, you know, Lady Kraken wouldn't do this. She wouldn't say that. And I think you only get there when you invest a lot of time and you really put yourself in their shoes, which is not always comfortable. Um, but it really, those are the bits that just made me go, right, that, that was good. That was, that was a good day's work, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I do. No, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to recognise that that description of, of, of the writing process, and I, and I really like like the idea of, of write, writing magic. I think that's I think that's terrific, John, and that's great. So, um, thinking more, I guess about the the, the publishing side of it. You've, you've published your work um, in the past with a publisher, and you've yep. also self-published. Um, what have your experiences been of both of those methods, and and have you have you come down on a position which you prefer? Um, I think I've, I've actually been really lucky. My uh, publisher was a guy called Joe Gregory and the company at the time was Bookshaker. And when I compare what I did with Joe to some of the horror stories that I've heard, I think I landed really lucky. Um, Joe was a really nice guy and it was a good experience. But what I found constantly was I'm not in charge of this. You know, it was Joe's fantastic. I think if you get a good editor, it really helps you. It helps you develop. But I'm thinking... I'm not in charge of this. I can't set the price. I can't choose when to promote. I can't really choose the cover. Um, and I, I guess I, I, it's a little bit of the control freak in me again. I, I kind of wanted to do more. Um, when I had the chance to, to take it back to go self-published, uh, I jumped at it. And to be honest, it's scarier. Um, that's the one thing. Um, because you have to own all of your mistakes. You can't blame it on the publisher, folks. Um Every typo you don't find is yours. Um, but I think it's, mm-hmm. you, you do feel, I think, I, I'm going to say resolutely, at, the, at this point, I'm much happier to be self-published. Uh, I like being an indie author. I like being able to say, I'm going to choose the cover. I'm going to choose the layout. And if it doesn't work or if people don't like it, then that's okay. It's a mistake and I'll learn from it. Um, I'm not saying if somebody came along and said we'd like to pay you a couple of million dollars that I would immediately say no, 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 I want to stay indie, you know. Um, but for right now, you know, I, I, I like having the the ability to say, you know, I'm going to change this, I'm going to be owning it. it. It feels good to be that much, that in charge of you, what is your own work and what is actually very, very personal. Yeah. In, in terms of the work you have to put in as an author, particularly I'm thinking around promotion and, and so on, mm. Did you notice a, a difference between being self-published or, 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 or and working with a publisher in terms of the amount that you had to put into it yourself? Um, yeah, I think again maybe my experience with um, the published side is not is not typical because again uh, I was encouraged from almost day one you, know, you need to go out and do things yourself so it wasn't maybe as big a culture shock for me. And if I'm honest, that that's the area that I, I accept that I'm most guilty of being bad at doing. Um, I find it easier to promote other people's books than my own. But, but yeah, you, you, I think it's you, you get to a point, and I, I recognise it very quickly. I, I was hesitant about the hockey side because I knew people would know more than I would. But you have to tell people. You don't have to shove it in people's faces, but you have to put something out there. You've got If you don't have time... Go to, I don't know, there's lots of companies will send tweets out or put stuff out on Facebook for you on the social media side. 
Um, I mean, I, I I was quite cheeky. I just went up to people at Brayhead and said, "Hi, I've written a book about hockey. Do you fancy reading it?" You know, so there was a, a fairly significant element of brass neck on my part. But um, yeah, I think I think on the on the end they said you have to accept it. You're not just the author. You can't just say I'm just the writer. I'm the creative. You've got to say I'm the writer. I'm the publisher, and I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the one that's got to go out there and sell this. Yeah, thanks, John. That's that's. that's... That's what I've heard from other authors too, I think, is that um, this idea that we can sit in a, in a nice room and write and then mm. hand manuscripts off to other people who do everything <laughs> else for us. Is, is, if, if that ever existed, it certainly doesn't exist today. So no. bringing together all the strands of things we've spoken about, John, finally, what advice would you give to an aspiring writer? Two words. Just start. Um, I've met so many people, Steve, and they say, oh, I'd love to write a book. And my immediate reply is, great, when are you starting? Oh, you know, sometime maybe when when I get the inspiration and, and I'll buy a really nice pen or I'll buy a new laptop. No, 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 no. Just start. If it's rubbish, great, edit it later on, but start. Don't let the ideas fade. Build up that habit. Just get moving. That's the, the best lesson I ever learned. Just start. Brilliant, John. Oh. I think that's uh, that, that sums it up. I think that's, that's, that's really, really good. And certainly, the, the, the difference for me when was again because I, I was one of those people for for years leading to decades that said, "Oh, I would like to do this one day, and I will one day." But obviously, there's these other things that mean I can't. And it was only really it was the process of writing um, and just starting to write and doing it is 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 the big difference. That is the that is the the, the step change that you make, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't want to be someone who says, I've got a novel stuck in my head. I've got a book stuck in my head. I've got a play. I've got a poem. Whatever it is, get it out. Start. You know, this is, it's the big step, you know? It is. It is. Brilliant, John. Well, thank you very much. That that brings us to the end, end of our time for this episode. Um, I think it's insightful and inspiring to spend time in your company, John. So thank you very much. Um, no. So... I hope that's woken up um, your muse and you can feel the creative buzz at the end of your fingertips. Um, come and visit our website, writing-perspectives.com, and you'll see that I post full show notes for this episode, so you'll be able to find out more about John and more about his work. Um, please leave your comments to let me know what you think and also share what you know. The one thing all writers do is write, as John's just said, it's just start. So if today it feels like that, great, fantastic. And if it doesn't and you need an idea to get the pen moving, well, let's be inspired by John and think about describing and writing some action. Maybe like John, it's a description of a sport, or perhaps it's a chase, or a fight. Describe the visceral, how your characters feel in the middle of the action. Describe the action itself. Move beyond the cliches and find new ways to convey what's happening. And give it a try, just to get yourself writing. Then you can move on to the things you really want to write. So thanks very much for listening to Writing Perspectives. I'm Steve Borley, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.